The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. How you doing? I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy and talk. And in case you're wondering why you can't see my guest and I today, uh, well, we have a a lot of crazy rainstorms here. We have a lot of things affecting uh, internet, not just uh, from the storms in California, but different sites seem to be having uh, problems today. Uh, whether it be, you know, Skype or X and things like that. So uh, you'll be able to hear us and see our beautiful mug shots instead of our beautiful mugs. Speaking of our, uh, one of the mug shots is me, Leslie Marshall. The other is Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, the AAM. They're a partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. And for over 16 years, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American manufacturing a top-of-mind issue for voters and our national leaders through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy. Be sure to check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org, and tell your members of Congress to pass legislation to close the de minimis loophole by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash closed loophole. Again, tell your members of Congress to pass legislation to close that de minimis loophole by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. And you can get all this information, not just at the AAM website, americanmanufacturing.org, which I mentioned, but also follow them on X at Keep It Made in USA and follow Scott on there as well at Scott Paul AAM. Um, good to have you with us and back with us, Scott. Thank you for joining us um, today. Glad you're not dealing with all the rain that I am, but uh, you know, hey, it's uh, it's better than snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a rare day when we uh, w- when we outweather you uh, in D.C. compared to L.A., Leslie. So, um, but ultimately, at least everything will be green. I hope. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what we that's what we get out of it and less fires, hopefully, you know, because it doesn't yeah. uh, you know, we've had droughts for years. Um, let's let's talk about tame. Is it Timu Temu? I, you know, everybody yeah, says right. Timu. A lot of people know Timu. It's like, you know, buy more crap cheaper. Um, and uh, they they actually spent billions uh, on ads. There were three of them during the Super Bowl. And um, there are supposed to be tariffs out there. So Elizabeth Brotherton brought a bunch who writes uh, and works for AAM and writes some great pieces. That was her question. Uh, Timu is spending billions on ads, including three during the Super Bowl. So how come it isn't paying uh, any tariffs? Well, we're going to talk about that. But this is a company that sells everything. They sell clothing. They sell electronics. They sell musical instruments, home appliances, super, super low prices because the things are all crappy, made in China, made to fall apart. Um so how does a company that's charging such low prices afford the amount of money it would take not just to air one ad, but three during the Super Bowl 
and even more immediately after the big game. Um, and one is they're not paying any tariffs, right? So, so you know, let, let's talk about this. How is that possible with the laws, the trade laws on the books, Scott? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. And here's the I mean, here's the deal. It's like a bunch of very smart retailers and lawyers discovered this customs loophole. And for any of your listeners who have traveled abroad, you know, they'll know this. You have to file a customs declaration when you're coming back in. Right. And like, what did you buy? How much is it worth? And then if it's over a certain threshold, you might be subject to paying some sort of a duty on it. That's very rare, but it happens. And, and that is what this de minimis, uh, uh, this de minimis uh, tariff provision is about. However, these very sophisticated, uh, you know, foreign retailers, law <coughs> lawyers, law firms discovered that they could ship packages direct to consumers from countries like China and come in because it's a direct shipment under this de minimis threshold. So they don't have to pay a tariff on it. Like if you're, you know, off the, where Walmart gets the goods, it comes off of a container ship and there's, you know, millions of dollars of worth of, of goods in, in a container and they'll have to pay duties, um, at the port of entry, whether it's, uh, you know, Long Beach or L.A. or anywhere else. But Timu and Sheehan and some of these other companies, again, have figured out this way to, to ship stuff directly to consumers. And it's treated just like a U.S., you know, a U.S. citizen coming back from a trip uh, with with a couple of souvenirs is treated. And, and that is totally, totally exploiting um, this diminu this de minimis threshold, but it's it's unfortunately going to take a change in law to uh, to eliminate the loophole. And, and the problem is not that th this is just bad government; that there's just some loophole that exists. But this has consequences. This has consequences for American retailers, for American manufacturers, to consumers, and certainly to a population of uh, of people in China, the Uyghurs, who are being exploited for forced labor uh, for for some parts and goods that go into some of these offerings that Timu has on its website. A lot of these sites, because the things are coming from China, Timu, Shin, and some of those others that kids talk about on TikTok, which gets teens who sometimes have their own money or their own card to buy things without their parents' consent, right? Um, yeah. Because when I got a package from Shein once uh, at my house, I was like, who bought this? I would never buy from this company. And it was my daughter. And I, I explained to her what your son, you know, uh, you know what, what we've talked about, our kids are learning, right? You yeah. know, at their age, right. Uh, right. you know, from us. But and, and, you know, she, you know, she agreed with me that the quality, you know, it you're not getting in the package what, you know, you're seeing, you know, on the com on the computer screen. Um, but what I also noticed with, you know, these companies is they don't charge for shipping. Is this one way they get around this? 
Yeah, well, it's, I mean, nothing is free. And so that's obviously built into the, the, the price of the good. But the other thing about this, Leslie, and this is the extraordinary thing, and I, we may get into this, is that they are purposefully selling goods basically uh, at below cost so that they can gain market share and squeeze out competitors. So they're in some cases, they're losing money. In many cases, they're losing money on every sale that they're making. So it's, uh, you know, the 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 issue of whether they are actually imposing a shipping charge or not is 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 kind of like, you know, kind of like Amazon Prime, where you get free shipping, but you're also probably paying um you know, a little bit more for the for the good, or you know, you have the membership or whatever. So there's other ways around it, but 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 the fact that they're sending it directly to you as an individual shipment is the way that they do work around um, having to pay a tariffs or or even to have a lot of types of customs inspections to make sure that it's a safe product uh, or that, for instance, it's not made with forced labor or child labor. So this is a way that when you, you know, aren't charging for shipping, you're exploiting US tax law. Yeah, that that is exactly right. Um, and the, 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 the only way to close this loophole is to change the law. And the good news is that there's some interest in doing that. You know, the bad news is that nothing in Washington is easy, as you know, Leslie. So there are a lot of folks who care deeply about this. And, and there's another aspect to this that just goes beyond consumerism, is that this de minimis threshold is the way that a lot of fentanyl is getting into the United States oh, as well. Wow. You know, the, the illicit fentanyl. And so... Um, it well, is well, hold a, that thought. Hold that thought, Scott. Yeah. We're take a break. I want to talk about that because I also want to talk about what else people may be getting in their packages that they're not realizing. And, and I want to speak about that labor. Um, I know we have some other things to talk about, but I think it's important that people understand why they shouldn't buy from these companies and what they're getting or could be getting when they do. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Scott Paul. Check out the website, AmericanManufacturing.org. And be sure to tell your members of Congress to pass legislation to close the de minimis loophole by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. Also follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM on X and the AAM on X at Keep It Made in USA. Back after this. We are back on Leslie Marshall. He is Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org, and be sure to tell your members of Congress to pass legislation to close the de minimis loophole by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. Once again, tell your members of Congress to pass legislation to close that de minimis loophole by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. And be sure to follow them on X at Keep It Made in USA. Follow the AAM there and follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. 
Scott, we were talking about the company Timu. They advertise three times during the Super Bowl, all this money. Uh, they sell things, you know, uh, you know, rarely cheaply, uh, and they're exploiting U.S. trade law. Um, you had mentioned the Uyghurs, and, um, you know, there there is forced labor, not just by Uyghurs, but also by children in countries like China, where Timu, Sheen, and these other companies uh, make um, these um, items that people are buying. But also, um, you know, also Elizabeth mentions in her article that, and we forget about this, what we're buying may end up containing toxins um, or it can be made from a stolen design. It looks like a designer thing, but it's not. It's a knockoff. Um, but, you know, so you could be bringing poison into your house. You could be poisoning a company. And you're certainly poisoning the labor force by when, you know, you're swiping your card to pay for these things, you're supporting forced labor. You're supporting child labor. You're supporting the risk of toxins. Let me give you a sidebar. One day, my neighbor had that big tent over her house. I don't know if you guys have that in the East. I didn't have that in the Northeast when I was growing up in Boston, but we do have it here in California. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about from um, from one of the one of the movies, whether it was Poltergeist or whatever, the to get the termites out, right? Or the, well, it can it can pest, be termites. Yeah. It can be other kinds of other bugs. Uh, Mark, yeah. have you ever heard of that? Marky Mark, our executive producer. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> There's also some. Scenes uh, in Breaking Bad, the show Breaking Bad, where oh, okay, they so use that as for about. cover. It looks, like, it looks like a circus tent wrapped around your house because a lot of times they have like you know uh, stripes or yellow and red colors or you know I've seen yellow and red. Anyway, so uh, the houses in my neighborhood, my house was built in 2005, so the houses in the neighborhood now they're older in one sense, you know, but growing up in Boston where we had houses from the 1600s, the houses are pretty new out here, you know, and especially in my neighborhood. And my neighbor had uh, one of these tents on her house and I was very surprised. And I asked her what happened and she said they had cockroaches. Now, cockroaches are usually in older buildings and they're also a sign of filth, which is what an exterminator told me. Um, and bugs just crawl, gross me out, period. So I'm just like rubbing my arms as I'm telling you this. But um, anyway, um, they had cockroaches from all the stuff that they had bought, right? Uh, that cheap stuff, you know, made in China, things that came from overseas. Because there are cockroaches that lay their eggs in the boxes. Cockroaches are attracted to paper bags and to boxes to lay their eggs or to hide. So we're also importing cockroaches, you know, mm. <laughs> you know, and you know, as well as toxins, as well as you know, you know, uh, utilizing forced labor, um, you know, or supporting designs that are stolen from other designers. Um, so Scott, can you can you speak to that because it, it's more than you know, just it, it's not just one one thing. It, it's a bunch of another. And one more thing I want to add, as you mentioned, Scott, they are not trying to make money. Some of these companies. They're trying to take over the American market. They're trying to cut into the market share of rivals like Amazon and Walmart. They're trying to, so you're screwing your own country and companies that make goods that are American made products in this country. So in other words, nobody should be in the United States buying from these companies and people go, you know, I love my country or I'm a patriot. Are you flying that American flag? You know, come on now, uh, think about it. You know, forced labor, 
toxins, could be cockroaches, stolen designs, and they don't mind losing 30 bucks per order because they're cutting into the market share of Amazon, of Walmart. They're cutting into America uh, and trying to be overwhelming, uh, overwhelmingly dominating uh, America when it comes to, um, you know, imports and exports, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think this is this is the challenge that we face is that it's happening right in front of us. And all all consumers see, and it's so easy with those apps, just to click the one button, and it's on the on the way to your house, and you don't think anything else about it, right? And the problem is that behind all of that, there is an enormous hidden cost to American workers, to our retailers who are playing by the rules to our manufacturers and suppliers who are losing out on selling to U.S. customers because of these impossibly low prices, to workers in China and other countries where the, the, they're, they're being forced to make these goods uh, in deplorable conditions or against their will. Um, and the, the, the problem is staggering. I think this is the thing in when the de minimis threshold was increased from $200 to $800. So it used to be you could bring in $200 worth of stuff duty free. Now it's up to 800 bucks duty free. Uh, the number of packages that came into the United States through this just accelerated. In 2018, two years after this was in effect, there were 410 million packages sent under de minimis. In 2022, that was up to 685 million packages. And so that's that's like two, you know, that's like two million packages a day, Leslie. And we know this grew last year. And all of this again is is because of this loophole. It's not designed to support this whole avenue of commerce that Timu and Xi'an have exploited and get, this is just the last aspect of this. Unfortunately, there's others who are getting roped into this because two of the largest advertisers on meta platforms, you know, on Facebook and Instagram are, you guessed it, Xi'an and Timu, who I think account for something like a third of meta's advertising revenue. And so they're, you know, they're getting the word out. These apps are, they're taking market share. They're selling at a loss to, uh, to, 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 to butt out competitors. And they're doing this at an exceptional cost to a lot of things that we don't think about at that point of sale. We're going to take a break in just a moment, and we're going to be talking about some other things. But for people that are saying, what is what is this de minimis thing you and Scott are talking about? The, the de minimis exemption in U.S. trade law, Scott has said it, and I'll reiterate this, in U.S. trade law allows anything that is valued under 800 bucks to enter the U.S. duty-free. And that's why these Chinese companies are selling stuff so cheap. So you need to contact your members of Congress, whoever your member of Congress is, to pass legislation to close the de minimis loophole by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. 
And don't buy from these companies, folks. You're contributing to forced labor, uh, to toxins, to, you know, to, to, to screwing America, because that's what China's trying to do with this. We'll be back with Scott Paul and you right after this. Don't go away. And we're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Scott Paul is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Uh, we are talking about the threat that China specifically poses to America when it comes to trade, when it comes to items that we purchase from these companies like Timu and Shein. Uh, check out the website, AmericanManufacturing.org. It's just got so much great stuff. Um, a great piece uh, about Timu uh, from the AAM's Elizabeth Brotherton Bunch. Um, also, we were talking about that de minimis loophole, which allows companies like Timu and Shein uh, to, you know, ship items to you cheap and free because if they're under 800 bucks, um, they're really evading the uh, tax laws that are on the book due to this de minimis loophole. So tell your members of Congress to pass legislation to close that loophole, to close the de minimis loophole by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. That's tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. And Marky Marcomaldi, our great executive producer, will repost all this stuff on my social media sites so that you can click the link in case you're driving, you're busy at work, you're unable to access that right now or to jot it down. Uh, and once again, do not buy from these companies. You're supporting forced labor, child's labor. You may end up with toxins, cockroaches like my neighbor did. Uh, the, the items could be made from stolen designs. And these companies are not only exploiting U.S. trade law, but they are specifically in the market to take over the American market. That is their goal. Scott, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Well, we talk about these companies and we talk about different items, but there is another item, a big ticket item that China's overcapacity is now posing a grave threat to, and that's the auto industry uh, here in the United States, correct? Yeah, it really is, Leslie. And and this is a, this is like the canary in the coal mine, I guess, the, the, the Xi'an and the, and the Timu, because that what we, what we've seen just with this de minimis loophole and with their market penetration, there have been about 10 textile factories in the United States that have closed down over the last couple of years in an economy that is otherwise good. And so you can kind of like draw the connection back to this. And so the concern with uh, Chinese automobiles, which thankfully can't be sold on Shin or Timu, but uh, which may nevertheless find their way here to the United States, is that the 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 price situation is basically the same, is that the these Chinese companies, and most Americans probably have not heard of them, like BYD or NEO, are making these impossibly cheap electric vehicles. I mean, BYD has a an SUV all electric that retails between fourteen and twenty thousand dollars. I mean, which is just flabbergasting. And it's not because they can build a better machine, you know, on a on an apples to apple comparison. It's because for a couple of decades, they had a monopoly in China. 
they got massive amounts of government subsidies. In fact, there's one estimate that showed up to a $19,000 per vehicle subsidy from the Chinese Communist Party to get a head start with all of this. And then there's all those other supply chain problems that we talked about, like the forced labor uh, in Xinjiang uh, with the Uyghur population and and others. And if if these Chinese automobile companies get a foothold in the United States, it will be a disaster to Ford and to General Motors and to Jeep and to Chrysler and honestly to Tesla as well. In fact, Elon Musk has said as much. Uh, and so we're sounding the alarm on this because as bad as the de minimis loophole is, if we were to get shiploads and shiploads of Chinese electric vehicles for sale in the United States, it would literally wipe out the auto industry uh, in the United States of America. And, and if you think about the millions of jobs and all the communities that are connected to that, from Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, uh, down to Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Louisiana, it would have a devastating impact on many local economies uh, in the United States. And it's not that we don't know how to do this. We know how to build good cars, but we're just getting our EV market up and running. And to have it completely overwhelmed by these heavily subsidized Chinese giants would be an enormous mistake. Yeah, and, you know, absolutely. Um, you know, it, and, and they play, they take a page from their old playbook, right? They keep doing it the same, the, the, the same way all the time. Um, is it fair to say that we in the United States, our government is failing to put up a meaningful defense, whether it's against Timu and Sheen by closing that day minimus loophole, um, or whether it's about the Chinese industrial overcapacity? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the evidence is in where we've seen job shifts and shifts in import penetration and capability. It's like, you know, we used to make a lot of consumer electronics, including computers in the United States, and we make virtually none now. That all went to China. We used to hold our own in the steel sector and now China makes about 55% of the world's steel, and we have to import too much into this country uh, of, of steel. And, and those are just a couple of examples. Now, with autos, the only good news, and I think the, the reason why that we haven't seen that penetration in automobiles so far is for a couple of reasons. It's that the, the US market is still pretty much dealership based. And so all these companies would have to establish relationships with dealers, which they haven't done yet, um, right. but they could. Um, th we have higher automotive safety standards and it's unclear when or if the vehicles could meet that. Uh, and we also, and this is very important, we currently have a 27.5% tariff sitting on Chinese automobiles that would be coming into the United States. And so that makes some of them cost prohibitive. And so that's a combination of a longstanding policy of some tariffs that the last president put into place and that also 
uh, that President Biden has said he wants to keep. And in fact, they're examining some of the automotive tariffs to see if they ought to be raised uh, at all. And so, but it takes all of that policy and what we don't want, and I guess this is the, this is the, I mean, this is the crux of it here, Leslie, is that, you know, it's so easy for a consumer just to click that one button on Shein and Timu, and then a day or two later, they have this impossibly cheap good right at their doorstep that, that's ready to use. You know, if there is an automotive version of that, the the lure is going to be too great for someone who wants to buy an $11,000 electric vehicle or a $14,000 SUV. Um, and and you of- know, though, you know, though, Scott, and I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist and stand on the grassy knoll here. But what we're also doing is giving them access to our credit card numbers, our banking information, our address where we live, different geographics. I mean, come on, you know, this can be far, far more than trade if China wants to take over far more than just a, a market share. Um, and, yeah. and like, you know, to your point, to get rid of all that extra product, China dumps its goods into the global market at the absolute rock bottom prices. And like you say, it, it, it's it's hard, you know, to ignore. And it would be if you're looking at an 11000 versus a $40,000 right vehicle or a $30,000 vehicle. So, we're talking about cars and we're yeah. talking about steel and we're talking about solar, solar panels, chemicals, furniture, clothes. But the bottom line is that will just lead to the demise of the American workers with layoffs and factory closures, loss of market share, because the more we buy from them, the more reliant on China. We, the United States and the United States consumer um, is for its needs for everything we're purchasing. That is exactly right. And we're at a point, Leslie, where we are, our economy has been resilient. We have survived the, the, the COVID crisis, the Great Recession. We're getting back up on our feet. We've had all these public investment boosts in various sectors of the manufacturing economy. The unemployment rate is low. But the problem is China's economy is in the tank right now. And they're producing too much and they're going to want to find a place to ship all of these goods. And the United States looks like a very attractive market for them because we're relatively well off. But what we've seen happens in the past is that our industry just wipes out and we lose millions, millions of manufacturing jobs when it happens. Very good points. We're going to come back, talk about this and uh, a few other things before. God, this hour is just flying by. Uh, we'll be back with Scott Paul. Check him out and check out. Go to Congress, your members of Congress. Ask them and urge them to pass the legislation to close that de minimis loophole. Visit tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. Tinyurl, tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. Back after this. We are back on Leslie Marshall. He's Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. We've been talking about what China is trying to do to the United States by us buying that cheap stuff made in China. We got to stop and tell your members of Congress to pass legislation to close the de minimis loophole by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. That's tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. You can find that on our social media sites as well as. Follow the AAM at Keep It Made in USA. Follow Scott Paul at Scott Paul AAM, both on X. And check out the American, <clears throat> excuse me, the AAM website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Scott, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Before we continue on to um, two more uh, topics, 
Is there anything else you wanted to say with regard to China's overcapacity and specifically that threat to the U.S. auto industry? Yeah, other than, Leslie, we're, we're raising the alarms on this because it's important to act before the damage is done. And this is in no way just targeting China because it's China. This is because we know how the government operates the economy there and what the bag of tricks is that they use uh, and how it impacts the United States. And our challenge has been that we haven't responded to this in any way in the past. And we now know uh, what the impacts are. And so it, it is incumbent upon this administration, this Congress to say no more. You're not going to export your unemployment problems to the United States. We're going to defend our market. And while we want a good commercial relationship and economic relationship, if we can have one, it has to be on fair terms. You wrote a great piece on LinkedIn, How to Make It in America. And you also have a podcast, a great podcast. Um, and uh, you talk about the book, Making It in America. We talked about this woman before, Rachel M. Slade. Um, that's uh, American Roots, that company that you know we spoke of uh, before, speaking of products made in America and good products made in America over the holidays. Um, you talk about the book and you also talk with Rachel on uh, your podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. And by the way, folks, pick up the book, Making It in America. Um, you know, if, if you really want to support American products and Americans who have really made the American dream happen for them and maybe, you know, give you some inspiration and encouragement or maybe even some how to's along the way to you trying to do that yourself. Pick it up. It's a really great read. Making it in America. Pick up the book. But you want to listen to Scott's conversation with Rachel. Check out his podcast. You got to go to tinyurl.com forward slash making it in America. That's tinyurl.com forward slash making it in America. So one of the things that you wrote on your LinkedIn piece, I love your opening line. I often feel like Harvard, Stanford, and other MBA students should be required to take a class on how to make it in America. Also, how to make your bed and balance a check. <laughs> um, uh, but if anybody's been in a dorm or has a teenager, right? Um, uh, but, you know, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, speak to us about this, your podcast, the book, <laughs> Making in America, you know, all of it. Yeah, is it an important adulting lesson, right? Um, yeah. The, they I, used to have that years ago. I'm old enough yeah. to remember civics classes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my it was interesting because I was talking to this 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 great author, Rachel Slade, and you know she found this company, American Roots, uh, based in Maine, that is uh, steelworker represented, that has an all-American supply chain and makes fleeces and other sorts of you know hoodies and what have you. And, and how they were able to do it and, and to do it, you know, successfully. I mean, maybe not build it into a billion dollar enterprise or something like that, but that's not their ambition. Their ambition is to do something that they enjoy and, and to and and to pay workers well and, and to make a little money while they're doing it. And, and they're doing that. And, and we got to talking, you know, about some of these other, uh, about some other cases. And I'm like, I'm, I love listening to, uh, some podcast, one of which is called How I Built This with Guy Raz. And he talks to these founders of companies, and sometimes they are actually companies that make things. And in almost every case, he'll ask them, well, 
uh, you you then went to Asia to make this, right? And they would say yes, or you know, uh, or what have you. You know, that's what you got to do. And um, he had on a uh, a fashion brand from Los Angeles, Leslie. And the founder was like, no, I'm going to make my clothes in Los Angeles. And he was just badgering her about why she wasn't outsourcing this stuff to Asia. And it got me to think that I don't think that there's anyone in an MBA class. And again, these are like the decision makers for big businesses now and into the future at, at the leading schools that have ever even thought about how you can build a supply chain out in the United States of America to make a product. It, it takes imagination, it takes creativity, but it's something they do not teach at these schools. Uh, and they should, I think. They should bring in these entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs who have done it successfully and not treat them like they're oddballs or unicorns or whatever, but but say, you know what, if you have the intent, there's a way to make this work. And we just, they don't try hard enough. And, you know, there's lots of different reasons why we don't have enough manufacturing capacity in the United States. You know, some of it has to do with public policy, but some of it, Leslie, very much has to do with how our business leaders approach these challenges. And they really do lack imagination, Lack, lack creativity, and they're unwilling to do the hard work, the really gritty stuff, to find a way to do it in the United States. And ultimately, they're going to feel better about it because they're employing their neighbors and their friends. And it's just going to be, uh, you know, and, and, and they'll end up as, 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 as equally prosperous con uh, uh, companies. Uh, and, and they'll probably sleep a little better at night knowing that they're not exploiting workers overseas as well. Oh, ab absolutely. Because of time, I want to get to one more thing, unless you have more to say about making it in America. Great book Rachel M. Slade has written, um, and it's a really great read about the American dream. Be sure to pick up the book. And once again, uh, listen to the conversation Scott had with her on the AAM podcast by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash making it in America. We're going to have that on all of our social media, um, as well as all the social media of Scott and AAM that I mentioned earlier, and I'll mention again. So pick up the book, Making It in America. Jot that down. Also have a listen to my conversation, uh, sorry, Scott's conversation with Rachel Slade uh, on his podcast by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash making it in America. Um, last but not least, the U.S. factory boom, and there has been a boom, um, it disproportionately favors poor countries. That's what a new study shows, that a surge of factory building fueled by this administration, the Biden administration, and their investments in strategic sectors, clean energy, semiconductors, so far, has flowed disproportionately uh, to U.S., not countries, excuse me, counties, poorer counties, with relatively distressed economies, and notably has not tracked uh, democratic uh, geography. Um, talk to us about this. Why, why this disproportionate favor to the poor counties? And, you know, what does that mean, not only to the counties, um, but with regard to this, this factory boom here in America? Yeah, Leslie, I think this is one of the great and underreported stories about what, how this industrial policy that this administration is doing is working. And, you know, investing in infrastructure all over the country, investing in uh, 
manufacturing, whether it's solar or uh, EV batteries or semiconductors, makes a, make, can make a big difference. And, and the reality is that where you manufacture tends to be in places where there are a lot of blue-collar workers. And that means that there's probably fewer workers with a four-year college degree, that the income level may be uh, slightly lower. But it is sharing this federal investment in places that have been left behind and are now coming roaring back. And it is just, as someone who, you know, has spent his you know professional life trying to lift up manufacturing with policy to see a result like this is 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 both uh, validating and heartwarming and knows that we're on the right track here that if we do make these investments that we're going to help communities that have been left behind and we're going to do it in a real way and if you pay attention to what's happening on the ground you'll see that those factories are making a difference in those communities because they're paying good wages. Those are jobs that come with benefits and it'll make everything around it stronger. And so instead of bowling alleys close, you might see them open. Instead of stores close, you might see them open. And instead of, you know, uh, the, the schools getting worse, you might see them get better. And so I think that's the thing, Leslie, that's truly exciting to me about the, the initial results that we're seeing from these investments in infrastructure, in clean energy, and semiconductors. They're very, very exciting, and I look forward to what's yet to come as well. Oh, Scott, thank you. So much information today. That's Scott Paul, uh, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. All this information and more you can get there. Follow him on X at Scott Paul AAM and follow uh, AAM at Keep It Made in USA. Once again, call your Congress members, ask them to pass the legislation to close the de minimis loophole. Go to tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. That's tinyurl.com forward slash close loophole. And also, I think I mentioned that book. I'm going to mention it again, Making It in America. Pick that up and check out Scott's conversation with Rachel Slade, the author and one of the many people that has made the American dream a reality for her. Go to tinyurl.com forward slash making it in America to take a listen. Great podcast, a great host, a great subject to talk to Rachel Slade. Pick up that book, Making It in America. Go to tinyurl.com forward slash making it in America to check out that podcast. I'm Leslie Marshall. Thank you to Scott. Thank you to our executive producer, Marky Mark Grimaldi. And thank you to all of you listening and watching today. 